In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We've often begun our evangelism by trying to explain God to people, or by trying to convince people that God's existence makes logical sense. The Feast of Pentecost provides a course correction. It reminds us that the church and her mission began with an experience of union with the Father through the Son in the Holy Spirit, not a lecture. This teaches us that our experience of God precedes our doctrine about God. The Nicene Creed, which we just recited, is the church's explanation of Pentecost. Experience always precedes doctrine. What everyone believes about life explains their experience in life. We develop our doctrine, what we believe, to explain what we've experienced. This is the reason that apologetic alone seldom converts people, because it attempts to explain to others an experience that they have not yet had. People are converted when the Holy Spirit begins to work in their lives in a new way, a new way that demands a new explanation of what is happening. This is the reason that mission should be centered on drawing people into prayer and conversation with God. Once people begin to experience God's presence, once God begins to tap them on the shoulder or in the case of Saint, as in the case of St. Paul, knock them off their high horse. The door will be open for a conversation about what this all means. For some Christians, the Spirit's presence is measured by whether something strange happened. And this can obscure the way that the Holy Spirit is experienced in the supernatural but ordinary giving of wisdom, strength, and comfort. The word that the King James Version translates as comforter and the New King James Version translates as helper is the Greek word paraclete, which means literally one who comes alongside of us. We usually need someone to come alongside of us and provide the ordinary things we need to meet ordinary challenges. Speaking in tongues or a word of prophecy may not be what is needed to face a stressful business meeting or a crying baby. Of course, Pentecost was a bit strange. A group of Jewish people in Jerusalem started spontaneously speaking in foreign languages. The equivalent here would be if the Holy Spirit descended and various people in our congregation started speaking in Spanish, Vietnamese, Burmese, and German, languages the speaker had never known before. The purpose of the tongues on Pentecost was practical. It was so that the pilgrims who were in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost from various places and spoke various languages could hear the gospel in a way they could understand. It was also symbolic of the way the Holy Spirit 
reverses the discord and confusion of the Tower of Babel. The work of the Spirit is to bring the nations back into harmony with God and then into harmony with each other. There is a distinction between the way we experience God at the beginning of our faith, at our conversions, when faith begins to be formed in us, and the way we experience God through the Spirit in the normal living out of the Christian life. Much work goes into the initial planting of the seed. We have to break up the soil and soften it, remove all the roots, and take great care to make sure this new life is planted in soil where it will grow. But subsequent to that initial phase, the, uh, the tree, once it takes root, will be sustained by ordinary water and sunlight. Childbirth involves a unique experience of labor and delivery. But child raising involves ordinary routines or liturgies of care and feeding. Some people make the mistake of trying to continually recapture the spiritual experiences that were associated with their initial conversion or the initial season of their faith. And this is not possible because we have grown beyond that stage. And the spiritual experiences associated with growth to maturity are different from the spiritual experiences that pertain to our spiritual infancy. In both the spiritual life and raising children, there is a kind of inertia to stay in the comfort zone. No child who has known the comfort of a mother's breast is anxious to give it up. The child must be weaned. And this involves some discomfort and even some pain, but it is necessary for it to avoid the strange and you know, weird sight of teenagers breastfeeding. In the spiritual life, we want to stay in our comfort zone, but God continually pushes us out so that we will grow. As we mature, the activity of the Holy Spirit, our spiritual experiences, will increasingly involve some measure of discomfort and pain. This is the reason that a, spiritual, a spirituality that focuses entirely on making us feel good is extremely counterproductive. What it will succeed in doing over the long run is creating perpetual spiritual infants. As we grow in our faith, we discover that the authentic experience of life in the spirit is the experience of death and resurrection. We are, as St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. We carry about the dying of the Lord Jesus in the way we continually die to our old selves through confession and behavioral change and through the way God teaches us continually to give up our control of life and trust him. This painful experience of death leads us into the experience of forgiveness, of joy, and of peace, into the cultivation of new virtues. Death leads us into new life. 
Romans 8, 13, and 14 describes this as the work, or we could even call it the experience of the Holy Spirit. Quote, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Our union with Christ in his death leads us into the experience of our union with Christ in his resurrection. Thus, the characteristic New Testament attitude towards the cross is joy. Count it all joy, St. James says, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. In Acts 5, after the apostles were beaten by the authorities for their faith in Jesus, we are told, quote, they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. When we lack the inner joy of life in the spirit, it is because we are experiencing the cross the way we experience ordinary pain. Some Christians have been trained to think of the spiritual life as perpetual self-denial and pain. It doesn't count as religion unless it hurts. This is the opposite error of the error that requires every religious experience to make us feel good. And both errors are common and both errors are spiritually harmful. The gift of the Spirit does not take away our pain. The gift of the Spirit changes the nature of our pain. The pain of life in this fallen world becomes, through the presence, activity of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, becomes the birth pangs of God's new creation. The pain of death becomes the pain of birth. When we experience pain on a natural level, apart from God, it is a constant reminder that we are going to die. When we experience pain in Christ in the spirit, it is a constant reminder that we possess eternal life and that we are destined to be glorious, eternal beings. As Romans says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Therefore, as Romans says, quote, we also glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.